This podcast is by G. Wayne Miller for the Providence Journal. Oh, it's definitely hit crisis levels. You know, back in the fall, I think, is when we really noticed that there was a huge uptick in the number of kids needing inpatient beds and higher level of, of care services. And so at that point, I remember being on meetings and there would be 20 to 30 kids every day in different EDs around the state waiting for an inpatient bed. Um, and that was something that we hadn't seen before, for sure, not to that level in any way, shape or form. So we would get kids on the unit who had been waiting in emergency rooms for a week or week and a half before even coming to us to start treatment. Um, so we, you know, we were full. We've, we've been full. We've, we had a little bit of a lull around the holidays. And when I say a lull, we're probably, you know, like three quarters full. But we're right back where we were in the fall right now. How many, how many beds, Tammy, do you have available on your unit? So we have 15 beds. We have 15 beds and we've been running at capacity for a while now. So what, is, what are the causes of this for, for these kids? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's so many, so many factors, you know, one is obviously COVID and, you know, families are struggling, families are, you know, overall not doing well, people are losing loved ones, people are losing work, families are in crisis. And then on top of that, you have a situation where kids are not in school in the same way that they were before. And, you know, developmentally, kids need that in socialization, you need that interaction and sitting at home on a computer for long stretches of time, it's just not really working out for them. And a lot of the kids that we have as well, school was sort of their safe space. You know, school, their home life could be very chaotic, but school was sort of the place where they could go, be with their friends and they felt safe and they were functioning okay. And that sort of held that thread together for a very long time. So I think without school being there, plus families being in crisis, I think kids have just kind of tipped over the other edge and are really kind of struggling to stay afloat. You know, I think another big piece of what we're seeing are, are kids who are actively engaged in mental health treatment. A lot of services now are being provided using telehealth and kids are not connecting in the same way. So, you know, I think initially we all thought, okay, like this will be helpful, we'll reach more kids. And that's something that I've started doing. I'd started doing some more of too. But a lot of kids we're hearing from now don't feel very connected to their therapist or as connected. They don't feel like they're getting the same level treatment in the same way that they used to. And that has been sort of a barrier to care as well. We've been seeing significant depressive symptoms and anxiety symptoms. A lot, I think, of a higher frequency of kids who are coming in because of suicide attempts and very serious suicide attempts. So we're seeing quite a few kids who've needed medical stabilization before they come to us. We've been seeing more irritability and aggression in the home. Um, we've been seeing we've been seeing more psychosis as well. You know, we've been seeing some more psychosis than than you know what I. You know, compared to last year, I, I definitely believe there's been an uptick in that as well. You know, and what we've been seeing. So one of the things I do, too, is I work in the partial hospital program. And because there's such a, a big shortage of beds, we're seeing a lot of kids in the partial program who need inpatient level of care, but there are no beds available. So we're seeing that as well. So there definitely is help available. There are a lot of people working on this. There are a lot of people, you know, working really hard to provide the support for, for kids and families and knowing that it's something that a lot of people are struggling with. 
and reaching out, you know, if you're seeing any concerns with your children, any red flags, reaching out as soon as you see anything, right? So if, you know, your child seems more anxious, you know, is having more physical complaints, more trouble with sleep, more trouble, they're more isolative, not communicating with you as much. Check in with your pediatrician and say, hey, I'm seeing this with my child. I'm concerned. I I think the earlier we can intervene, the better it is for everyone involved. And and just keeping up that communication with kids, you know, as as parents, just trying as hard as we can to, to keep communicating with our kids and and, and knowing that, you know, the only way we're going to get through this is together, but it's going to be a rough ride. And I guess lastly, um, there can be long-term effects from this. Talk about that. That's a big concern. How, what, and I think there's been a lot of talk about the second pandemic, which is like the mental health crisis. And when that's going to really hit, you know, very high levels with mental health professionals as well. Um, you know, it, it's hard to say what the downstream effects are going to be when kids have been taken out of situation in settings where they are provided with, with developmentally what they need. And, and, you know, the effect of the trauma that this has had on families. Um, but, you know, I think my advice to that is just making sure that we're, we're having children, as many children connected to treatment as possible and being vigilant as parents, as, you know, mental health workers, as, you know, primary care physicians, as teachers, just being very vigilant and on top of it. But I think, you know, we're going to see some very interesting trends over the next few years as this pandemic sort of plays out. Thank you, Tammy. Stay safe. I will. Bye.